Welcome back to another episode of We All Have Casts. Today we're joined by Sunny Kim, a local mixed culture, interesting boxing guy working at UFV. He's somebody that I met through AJ, the first guest on this show. Um, and just kind of talking with him a couple of times here and there already, I could understand that, yeah, he's got a very interesting story, very interesting and diverse background, and a very thoughtful individual, very kind individual. Um, very smiley, lost like 20 pounds, so like it kind of weirds me out, but still a great guy. <laughs> um, but yeah, welcome, dude. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Is this the first time on doing something like this? Yeah, first podcast ever. Okay, amazing. Yeah, it's not it's nothing special for sure. Basically, how I usually start is just kind of introducing yourself in terms of career, what you do for work, um, and then if you have a goal with that career, whatever that may be. Um, but yeah, who are you? What do yeah. you do? <laughs> yeah, um, I work right now at UFE. I recently got a work uh, there as an accessibility advisor. So I work with students that have uh, different types of disabilities, uh, help them succeed in university, depending on their unique type of supports that they may need. Mm -hmm. So my role is just to facilitate and coordinate uh, those strategies and supports for students. That's crazy. Uh, Did you always, was that an initial goal that you had before or? No, I actually started, I got my degree in criminology. Okay. Because I wanted to get into law enforcement. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I wanted to get into policing. I always thought that was really cool work. It is. Yeah. Um, and one thing that I realized coming as an international student here was that there were so many limitations with the type of work you could get in law enforcement with a study visa. Oh, I see. And so what ended up happening was um, I was doing my practicums and I was trying to find work in government, but nobody would accept me because you needed to be a Canadian citizen. Oh, wow. Yeah. Or a permanent resident. So because of that, life kind of took me in a different direction. Right. And then I started looking for work outside of law enforcement, just thinking about where can I apply the knowledge and skills that I've learned from my degree. And then I started working in different nonprofits. So I worked mainly with adults with uh, developmental disabilities. I worked with um, immigrants. I worked with uh, homeless people as well, just in various uh, supporting roles. Mm -hmm. And then uh, just last year, I, I kind of came back to my roots, to UFE and uh, yeah, this opportunity came up and I just knew with the passion that I've developed, just helping people and um, and, and the love that I had for that community as well in mm -hmm. Amosfer, um I just, I needed to go back and... <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. So I guess for you, it was like all the stuff that you learned for, for law enforcement, mm -hmm. you didn't really apply that at all during your time volunteering? I did one of my practicums in the police agency in Abbotsford. Okay. And so I was able to uh, work on some programs around crime prevention. I see. Uh, that was really cool. Uh, I learned a lot. Uh, but once I started my career as a professional, mm. I I just couldn't get into the uh, law enforcement uh, mm -hmm. job market, right? So. Yeah, I just, I, I, I went to a nonprofit instead. Mm. And then at the nonprofits, were these all new skills that you were learning or were you using a lot of the law enforcement skills? A little bit of both. Because yeah. in my degree, I learned a lot about um, 
solving uh, conflicts, uh, managing different, very complex problems, uh, dealing with crises, mm. um, a lot about understanding the human psychology in, in, mm. in terms of how it relates to uh, aggressive or difficult behaviors. Right. So I was able to apply that, but a lot of it was once you're in there working with people that are experiencing barriers, just having that more of a personal relationship with them. Uh, I think that's something you just, school can't teach you. Oh, I see. I just learned it as I met people. And I think, honestly, uh, the people that I was supporting, they, they were my biggest teachers. Oh, wow. Yeah. What are some things that you think you've learned from them? Genuine empathy. Mm. Really understanding um, other people's uh, different shoes. And it's really, really hard because uh, it's easy, I think, as a people or as a system to just tell people that other types of people, right, in other communities, that they shouldn't do something that we think is wrong. Mm. And just really understanding from their lens why it is that they're experiencing some challenges. Mm. Um, trying to see if I can really fit into those shoes and, and walk that in that's the best way I can support someone. Right. Right. So instead of just telling them, oh, you should or shouldn't do something. Right. I can really understand the roots of some of those challenges and how to address them. What was one of those hardest one or cases of that where you're trying to learn how to be empath uh, empathetic to this person, but just like, it's really hard. I think when I worked in downtown Eastside, I worked with a few families, um, they had concurrent disorders. So they were going through um, substance abuse challenges, but they were also, um, you know, they were born with developmental disabilities as well. And um, there's a lot of complexities around uh, working with their families. And when there's kids involved, especially, it's really challenging for any type of social worker to help them overcome some of those challenges and the complexities working with kids, especially. So um, how do I support a parent to have, learn the skills so that they can keep the family together? But at the same time, how do I make sure that the kids are safe and that, um, you know, they're accessing the right resources, connecting with the right people as well. Sometimes those things can cause a lot of friction. So kind of balancing those two things, uh, it's, it can be really challenging. Fuck. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> Sorry about that. That's okay. Damn, that's like, that's some hard stuff to see, I think, too. Yeah. Right? And yeah. hard stuff to be a part of. Because mm -hmm. um, I, I had one friend, she was working at, I think, St. Paul's Hospital mm -hmm. or something. Yeah. Um, there was a research thing. Basically, she was working a lot with the homeless people in downtown Eastside. Mm -hmm. But I remember there were often cases when she would kind of break down uh, mm -hmm. emotionally yeah. just from the stress and um, of losing people because mm -hmm. a lot of them would pass away very mm -hmm. frequently. Yeah. Uh, is that something you went through as well then? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And one of the hardest things for a lot of people in my field uh, to go through is feeling uh, the burnout and losing that compassion for people and also n not getting jaded 
from the day-to-day um, darkness that we see. And that's something that I had to learn early on because I was realizing, oh, uh, I am losing that compassion. I'm losing that empathy that I was talking about because I was just seeing this every day. Mm-hmm. And that affected my ability to uh, serve people. Mm-hmm. So it took a lot of uh, personal reflection and uh, a lot of wrestling in my heart. Right. Um, over some time, I did go through a bit of depression as well a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. So I had, I had to overcome a lot of challenges. and. It was by the grace of all the people uh, that were supporting me, my family, my friends, uh, and uh, my colleagues as well. Everyone just really was involved in my development and in my healing in that process too. So uh, it was definitely a teamwork. Uh, But yeah, all to say that I learned a lot from that experience. And now you're in a much better place, I'm assuming mentally as well. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. That's super cool. Yeah, because... well, I mean, that's what this podcast is about, right? Mm. It's titled, We All Have Casts, mm. because it's never... I mean, with a thank you letter, you can only really write it to one person at a time for the sake of time, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but obviously, we're thankful to much more than just one person in our development. So mm. even just from that little story alone, yeah. that's what I see, right? Yeah. I see a cast of different people helping in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you, right? To get you through that. Much respect, though, because that's so... such a difficult thing mm-hmm. right let like even before you try to think about helping people down to east side just trying to help your friends get through some stuff too Absolutely. right that alone is hard enough and tiring but to imagine that multiplied on such a scale that's mm-hmm. good job yeah no I, <laughs> you made it yeah <laughs> thanks to it, other people but, yeah yeah this thing of um serving then was that always kind of part of who you were and one of your goals or yeah, it was definitely taught early on with the example that my family set for me. And uh, I saw it mainly with my sister. And she, it's wild. She's one of those people that she came to Canada uh, on her own when she was 15 years old. Wow. And worked three, four jobs and didn't want to get help from... At 15? At 15, Holy yeah. And she shit. was in high school here didn't know anybody and she just really built her life here uh, completely on her own and uh to be honest i don't know how she did it yeah but one thing that i saw with her that is so special about her story is that she never really shared those challenges with me i just learned them over time but she never really disclosed that oh i'm struggling i'm going through all this she just lived life really um really hard and and worked really really hard and Mm -hmm. um in spite of it being so easy for her to just focus on herself she was always helping people and she wanted to get into a profession where she was serving other people and she's passionate about kids and she's passionate about serving uh people with disabilities as well Mm -hmm. and one thing i i always saw was how um hands-on she was uh trying to be there for people, help strangers, always lend a helping hand. And, and to me too, the, the level of support that uh, she gave me, I just, I never understood it. But through her example, I was able to learn um, how to think more than just about me, mm-hmm. how to serve other people. One question I have about that then is, well, A, fuck, that's, uh, that's amazing. I was talking with yeah. AJ one time and then he was saying that 
the way Sonny talks about his sister is how every sibling wishes to be spoken mm-hmm. about. So like, great job for both yeah. of you. Um, the other thing with serving then, so you've seen that example. Mm-hmm. What about that made you want to do it? Or if you had to explain to somebody, what is the purpose of serving others? Like yeah. what's good about it? How would you respond? What I saw from her example was how how it can touch someone's life and really transform them. And for me, I felt really lost uh, early on in my teenage years. I got into a lot of trouble in school. You? I did. Yeah, wow. I did. And I, I yeah, I, I got into so much shit early on and I was around the, the bad company, right? Uh, honestly, I, I remember my vice principal in middle school said that I wasn't going to amount to anything. So my family shouldn't even try. Wow. She said that to my sister. Wow. And literally the week after my sister pulled me out of that school. And then we went through a lot of changes. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into it in a bit, but we got, we went through a lot of changes, but it just took my sister to recognize how lost I was Mm. to recognize the need for change. And she had to sacrifice so many things to be able to provide me the opportunities for change. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't really appreciate it back then. I didn't understand it. But when I reflect back, that's what service is. It really having just that ability to to help others, even though you might not fully understand it yourself, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not going through it, but I know that this is an experience that you are facing. This is a challenge in your life, and I'm going to help you through it. And in that process and, and, and the result, I mean, it's transformational. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess being on the receiving side really showed you the power of it, Absolutely. the benefits of it. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay. There's a, lo- a lot of stuff to go into then. Oh, man. <laughs> Sorry. I guess. No, no. That's why I wanted you on this podcast, though, right? Because mm-hmm. I know you have a super interesting story and a lot more than what I expected, too. I didn't know that you were working with... Um, like disabilities or mm. uh, people who are homeless that mm. closely as well. Yeah. So definitely you have a lot of stuff. The thing I wish you would know is that there's so much that people can learn just from observing that or just from hearing the fact that stories like that and people like that exist, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, like for me, the biggest thing about the subject of love, for example, is I always just turn to my parents. Mm. And no matter how shittily I can love somebody, because mm. it's definitely not unconditional. It's so conditional and stuff like that. But for me, my brother's uh, special needs. Mm-hmm. So seeing my parents unconditionally love him, mm-hmm. just knowing that that exists really helps me uh, mm. during some times yeah. of like, man, I feel like I'm a shitty. Or I, I don't know, it's hard to explain. But just knowing that things exist out there that are really good, I think are powerful in mm, itself. Absolutely. Right? And yeah. I just hope you realize that's what your story is and that's why you're here. Yeah. Uh, and thank you for being willing to share all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So that being said, let's go all the way back. Because okay. <laughs> um, I know culturally as well, you're somebody that I really wanted to speak with about yeah. everything, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so let's start from... I don't even know where to start. Let's just start with the facts then or the timeline. Okay. Where were you born? Uh, what nationality are you, I yeah, guess? Yeah, or like, yeah. walk me through. Because I, I don't know either. <laughs> you know, I get confused too. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Yeah. So I was born in South Korea uh, in a city called Anyang. And when I was six months old, my parents 
uh, moved to Guatemala, which is in Central America. And they worked in the textile industry. Mm-hmm. So my mom designed clothes uh, for a lot of the companies that we like to wear nowadays. And um, she got a lot of opportunities to travel in Central America. Um, and we started there. I spent about 10 years in Guatemala. So I was, uh, I grew up a bit confused because my parents, mm-hmm. you know, they raised me Korean at home mm-hmm. and they only spoke to me in Korean. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they said that the only way that I could at least have a basic conversation with someone in Korean is if, if they, they spoke yeah. to me in Korean. So yeah. uh, that was the extent of my education. Mm-hmm. Um, with Korean language and culture, um, which I'm very thankful for. In what, hindsight, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not at the time? Not at the time. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I didn't understand. Yeah, All my difficult. friends speak to me in Spanish. Um, that's my first language. Right. That's crazy. In, in school, yeah. yeah. <laughs> in school, I, uh, I was following a Spanish curriculum, right? Mm. And I was learning a little bit of English as a second language. And uh, I, I didn't understand as a little kid why I needed have Korean at all. Like right. I'm not living in Korea, but my parents at the time, they knew how important it was for me, especially because I was born in Korea mm-hmm. and I have a, a, my citizenship there. Mm-hmm. And so we could, yeah. So I traveled into El Salvador, Honduras for a little bit, spent um, a couple of years. I think I was about 12 or 13 when I left Central America. And then I moved to Indonesia. For a couple of years. So yeah. I picked up a little bit of language there. Oh ba- Bahasa, Indonesian. Uh, I, I think I lost it now. But <laughs> <laughs> but I was there for about three years before I um, traveled to Korea for a little bit. And then to Canada. But yeah, growing up, I had a bit of a identity culture. Or identity and cultural uh, crisis. Oh, almost, yeah. right? Yeah. Because yeah. I, I didn't really know, am I Korean? Am I Guatemala? Guatemalan, am I, you know, like, what am I? I? I didn't really know. So when did that start to bother you? It bothered me almost every day, actually, growing up. Because, oh, okay. as I said, like, all my friends were uh, from Guatemala, right? Mm-hmm. All my friends spoke to me in Spanish. And my parents really, they didn't practice any of the Guatemalan culture right, or language. Right. They only spoke to me in Korean and only taught me Korean values. Yeah. So yeah. Koreans uh, are good at that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so so then I, I was just like, I don't like why, right? Yeah. Like why why are you forcing this on me? Mm. Um, you know, and so I, I kind of grew up with that friction. I was just like, yep. I just I was battling. I didn't really know what to identify as. When someone asked me, oh, where are you from? Yeah. I would say I'm from Guatemala. Right. I would never reference my Korean background. Mm. Uh, and it was not until I think my later teenage years before I went to university that I really understood who I was. Mm. Because my my family decided to uh, take me to Korea to live there for a little bit. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, before we get into that then, so Indonesia, yeah. what happened? So you moved there and you were living there. Yes. Why? What was that for? It, it was the same reason. My parents, uh, their work, mm. they just moved them all over the place. Oh, I see. And so we lived in Indonesia for about three years, a year and a half in Jakarta city, and then a year and a half in the southern islands, uh, north of Bali. Mm-hmm. 
and uh yeah i i i that was an interesting experience too yeah. uh i didn't fully absorb the culture maybe because i was a little bit older at the time right um and i wasn't there long enough but uh that was when i was getting into a lot of trouble because right. i was moving so much and right. I, I didn't have uh, good social bonds i didn't have long-term friendships so mm. i was trying to figure out a lot of things on my own growing up mm -hmm. and so yeah that's that's kind of like where all the trouble started for me i see yeah okay uh i guess where to start would be so you would say then the lack of community i guess or lack of cultural identity led to a lot of these problems right i think so yeah Okay. And how bad were these problems, if you don't mind sharing? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. What was the kind of worst that it, got, it went to? I think I didn't understand who I was as a kid. And I wanted to get that validation from other people. Mm -hmm. And so I would just gravitate to whoever would give me some form of comfort or um, a validation that I was worthy of something. Mm -hmm. you know? And uh, my parents are amazing parents. Uh, they did work and 12 hours every day. So I couldn't get as much attention uh, from them growing up. So uh, I sought it out from other people. And at the time, I started dating a girl that was, you know, um, maybe she was a couple of years older. <laughs> couple or like a lot? <laughs> no, she, was, uh, she okay. was three grades older at okay. the time. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, and so, and so I started meeting some friends through her, uh, when I was in Indonesia and, uh, they started getting into, you know, uh, they were, they were skipping school. They didn't really value education. They didn't, uh, value learning at all. They challenged any type of authority in school. Mm. Uh, and so, yeah, we just, I, I started to kind of follow in that trend and, I felt like I lost myself in that. Mm. It's very easy once you start neglecting responsibilities and you start uh, uh, being around a certain company, uh, mm. then your values kind of get all mixed up. Yeah. And then I thought that was the right thing. I thought what we were doing was the correct thing. I didn't understand why people needed to go through school and to get good grades. And I didn't have a long-term vision. It was just about getting through the day. Mm and uh, trying to get that attention from my parents as well. And yeah, I, my friends at the time, they started getting into drugs mm. quite heavily. Um, they joined some gangs. Mm. Um, and luckily, my, that's when my sister stepped in. Oh, nice. Yeah, she actually made a trip from Canada to Indonesia because my parents were saying, hey, we need to figure something out as a family. Oh, I see. So um, as they were realizing that my friends were getting into all this trouble, yeah. uh, that my teachers were reporting to them how, how bad it was getting, mm. uh, my sister came to Indonesia and then she pulled me out. And then we decided to make a big family decision. Right. Yeah. Dude, that's crazy. So yeah. that's when that teacher said that you were not going to amount to anything. That's right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So then you kind of, Okay, because when I first heard that, I was like, I thought that was one of those standard cases of like a shitty teacher. But I guess no, no, it's not. <laughs> a, a little bit of both. Yeah. I, I, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, because I, I don't think, I, I don't think 
I would have the heart to ever say that to someone. Oh, I see. Um, especially when you see a, a kid that is so lost, mm. I, you want to give them the best support and love and care in the world. Oh, I see. Um, so I did feel like I was dumped almost uh. by the school system. And I lost faith in the school system because I saw that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Right. So it yeah. was, it was this cycle of they don't, the school system didn't value me. So I wasn't going to value it. Right. Right. And I lost faith in it. And in that process, I got lost. Oh, wow. So quick aside then. So if somebody's really kind of pushing you away, you believe in kind of going after and like not giving up though, right? Just like keep on. Trying. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think, in, I don't think you, if someone's pushing you away that you should just throw yourself at them and you know like you have to respect them where they're at okay give them space give them time to process uh but not give up mm. you know and and some things just require so much patience mm. and um yeah especially when you're in in that role where you can transform people's lives mm. i think that's that's when it's most important right fuck i love what you stand for man holy <laughs> shit Okay, so then sister comes back. And yeah, that was my other question was, yeah. so where is she this entire time? And she's in Canada. This she's in Canada time. building her life here. Yeah. My God. So she's already going through bullshit there. Yeah, yeah. And then, because yeah, 15 years years old in Canada. And how, what year was this roughly? Do you remember? This would have been 2008, 2009. Okay. Yeah. Wait, is she the same? No way. We're, we're the same We're age. the same age. And nine she's three. nine years older than, than me. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. Holy shit. Okay, 2008. <laughs> what was I doing? <laughs> Anyways, okay. <laughs> um, oh, man. Yeah, because yeah, that's already hard enough then to mm -hmm. be in Canada yeah. as an Asian uh, back then. Yeah. Alone. Yeah. That's even harder. Mm -hmm. and the, but then, so she dropped everything, came to Indonesia, got your ass out of that school. Yeah. Damn. And yeah. then brought you to Korea right away? or Yeah, so what's crazy about her, and the reason why I admire my sister so much is because you know, she just got married around that time. Oh, what? Yeah, she just got married. She got married young, really wow, young. Wow, yeah. okay. And uh, they just bought their apartment. Uh, <sighs> they just got a dog too. Uh, she just started her career, Yeah. right? Uh, she completed some programs at one of the local colleges. So she was building her life here. Right? And she was very young um, into her career, into her marriage, right. into her life that she, she worked so hard to build since oh. she was 15. And when she came to my rescue, basically, to Indonesia to pull me out, she and um, my parents, uh, we all made a decision as a family that I needed change. I needed to figure out who I was. I needed to get out of that environment. Mm -hmm. I needed to really take time on my own to understand um, some of the demons that I was dealing with. Mm -hmm. I was dealing with... Uh, cultural identity crisis my entire life mm -hmm. i needed to really kind of hone down that part and, and figure it out and so she left all of that and took me to korea and we lived in korea for a year mm. um and that was the first Holy time yeah. that i started to understand what service meant what unconditional love meant yeah because if you ask me to do something like that right now yeah it, I don't think I have the heart right yeah. now to do something like that. Yeah. But she really showed me that, um, you know, A, you can rebuild anything. B, um, if you love someone or something enough that you can really give up anything just to 
you know, to help them. Mm. Right. And, and she showed me that. And uh, yeah, so she took me to Korea. We lived there for a year. Uh, I hated it in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. To be honest, because I wasn't Korean. Right. Or at least I didn't see myself as a Korean person. Uh, but did you understand why you, you were there or like why there needed to be change? It took me time. Yeah. It not right away. Not right away. Of no, course. No, no, no. Yeah. It honest the, the first six months that I was there, I was just I was, I was hating her almost every day. Damn. Yeah. Because she took me out of a relationship that I thought I was really in love with. Mm. She took me out of the only social circles that I had. Right. Mm. And so I left my friends, I left my girlfriend, I left my school, I left my parents, I, I left what I was comfortable with. And then I thought that she was the reason why um, I, had to, I had to sacrifice all this, mm. not realizing what she was sacrificing for me. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it, it took some time. Yeah, yeah. It took some time. My God. Okay, let me process. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, man. That's, a, that's crazy. Yeah. It's actually crazy. I didn't know she was giving up that much stuff mm-hmm. for you. And like, yeah, stuff, and everything makes so much sense in hindsight. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, because I totally understand why you would think that, like, mm-hmm. that you're giving up so much stuff. And like, why do you have to go through all these changes? Yeah. And like, you just found these friends yeah. as fucked up as they are, but you don't yeah. know that at that yeah. age. Yeah. Um, so I could totally see you blaming yeah. her. Yeah. But then that also just speaks to, yeah, exactly how much of a trooper she was mm-hmm. to go through that absolutely and be like and not say fuck you i'm done absolutely <laughs> you know i mean like yeah that would be damn have you talked with her about all that i have yeah what's crazy about this story with her is that she never told me once what she was sacrificing uh not once right yeah she just did it and it wasn't even a second thought she just had to do it for her little brother mm. And when I look back, I think that's the most impressive thing for me. That it wasn't about recognition, that it wasn't about trying to, you know, uh, trying to get credit for anything. Mm -hmm. She was just doing it because she saw that her little brother was lost and she needed to do something. And um, when I, when we talk about it now, Mm -hmm. I just ask her how she did that because I, I, as I said, I don't understand. I, I can't yeah. picture myself giving up everything that I worked for mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so readily. And she just did it. So. Fucking insane. Yeah. All right. So let's go keep going in the story then. Uh, first couple months, mm-hmm. it was shit yeah. in Korea. Yeah. And I've never lived there myself. So yeah. I, can, I can only imagine. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh man. Yeah. <laughs> so what's crazy is that we went... Because, okay, they were being strict. They were, you know, (laughs) Sonny needs to go to Korea and and drop everything that he had, right? Mm -hmm. But they were also like, let's give him, let's throw him a bone. (laughs) So we actually went to live in Itaewon. Oh, okay. Describe what that means. Like, what's the significance of that? And Itaewon is a city uh, near Seoul that that's where the American military base is located. Yeah, yeah. So... Every other person that you come across speaks English. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, <laughs> yeah, so I was learning Korean, yes, mm. uh, but I still could at least talk to people in English. And right, if I got lost out in the community, then right. I could at least find my way back home. Yeah, right, so <laughs> oh, that's clever. 
that's a that's a smart move. Yeah, yeah. I cheated a little bit. Yeah. But... <laughs> um, okay, but then when did you still feel the, those? I guess moments of conflict or friction then of when you're like, shit, I'm in Korea. Like, yeah, I I met a lot of people in Korea that they, you know, they and they they came from Australia. I met soldiers from the states. I met teachers from all over Europe, and and then there were like I was meeting all these people in the community. And they were so appreciative of Korea. They loved Korea. Mm. And it was so crazy because it took foreigners <laughs> to teach a Korean kid yeah. how to love and value his own country. Damn, yeah. And I, to be honest, that was the first time I'm like, wow, there's so much that I've been taking for granted. And there's right. so much beauty in, in my culture. And um, yeah, you know, sometimes it just takes hearing it from someone else. Yeah. That's right. not your immediate family, right? Yeah, exactly. Dude, that's fucked. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, I n- I've never thought about it that way. Because, you know, there's a lot of Korean shows with foreigners on it. Yeah, and yeah. Then at first, when I saw that, I was like, Man, what are you guys doing there? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, then, <laughs> but if you really think about it that way, that's, yeah. that's huge. Yeah. And that's kind of sad for, like, people like mm-hmm. who are like yeah, us, right? Yeah. Where we were shitting on our own culture and not understanding it, right? Yeah. But I yeah. think that's why that's exactly why I needed to be there. Yeah. And... I just, I needed to talk to these people. I needed to experience the culture and, and learn how to, um, how to love where mm. I'm from. Mm. And the first six months was really challenging um, because there was so much hate in my heart. And I started talking to these people and I started building uh, friendships with Korean uh, kids, mm. you know, either through from churches or through uh, just community uh, events. I, I joined a Muay Thai gym. And that's wow. when I first got into uh, combat sports. I see. And it's through those interactions and those relationships that I, I started to like really appreciate my, my background, my culture, my, yeah. uh, my country. Mm. And it took some time. Uh, but towards the end, I, I really understood why this was important in my life. And that's when I really understood, you know, if someone asked me, who are you? Where are you from? Hmm. I just say I'm Korean. Wow. Oh. Yeah. And I can speak Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, we're going to, we'll have to unpack a little bit more of that for sure. Yeah. I think for now, let's take a quick break. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm going to get you to read your letter. Sure. Because uh, now we have a little bit under context of like yeah. who your sister is, what yeah. she did. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, fuck, man. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> Thank you so much yeah, for absolutely. sharing it. Just being so transparent. Mm-hmm. Especially like the drug stuff and the gang stuff. Yeah, although yeah. you weren't part of that. Uh, but I have a friend who who opened up about that to me mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Uh, he was not in, uh, sorry, this is in Indonesia, right? Yes. So his story is somewhere else, but like it's similar things of kind of just feeling like you needed community, yeah. And in some fucked up fashion, they provided the best support, yeah, right, out of the yeah. people around him. Absolutely. And I was hearing that stuff, and I'm like, shit, like even someone like me, I could have been easily a part of that world mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. fallen into that. Um, and it's so hard to get out. It's I don't know. When I hear your story, that's crazy. It's yeah. kind of like. It's like it's kind of like you're a smoker and then you went cold turkey. Yeah, except this is different and like different scale. You're like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like lose everything. Uh, shit. I think before we read the letter, then though, um, when did you find out that that's what your sister had to give up? I I started realizing it 
towards you know the towards the end of our stay in Korea mm-hmm. because you know she was getting um, she was getting calls from her brother in law she she got a call from her work that you know the it's either you come back or you don't have a job when you oh, do yeah and our her dog was getting sick so they had to go to the vet right and I was just hearing these things and she wasn't complaining to me but she was just sharing with me what was happening back home uh-huh. and that's when i started realizing why is she here with me right right and uh but she never she we did she didn't leave early she just continued to stay with me until until we needed we needed to get done what we came here for right mm. and that's when i started really appreciating it but it wasn't until a few years later that as I started becoming a, a, a young adult myself and I started re- learning responsibility and I started learning how hard life is, uh, it wasn't until then that I, I started to like really appreciate her mm-hmm. because I realized how hard it is to make those sacrifices. Right, right. Fuck, man. Yeah. Whenever you're ready. Dear sister... I could write an entire book about you. I think I would start with your superpowers, your boundless selflessness, your innate ability to genuinely forgive people, your patience, your passion for building character in others, your unconditional love for our family. When anyone asks me who my hero is, I always say it's you. You've taught me to overcome so many things in life, and I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for the love that you give and the sacrifices you make for our family. One of my fondest memories is when we spent a year living in Korea when I was a teenager. We decided as a family that I needed to spend time there learning about my ancestry. I was also getting into a lot of trouble in school and I was around bad company. So it was an opportunity for a fresh start. We got to learn about our history, traditions, and language. We met many amazing people and visited every place we could. Since I left Korea as an infant, I struggled with understanding my cultural status. But from this experience, I solidified my identity as a Korean person. You spent so much time teaching me to outgrow lingering pains and inspired me to vision a happy life. What I didn't realize and appreciate back then is that you put your own life on pause for me. You recently had gotten married, bought a house, secured a job in your career, and was planning to start your own business. But without any hesitation, when you realized that I needed a change in my life, you dropped it all in an instant and came to your little brother. I don't know how someone tells their newly husband that they are leaving them for a year, how they can quit a great job that is paying for the mortgage, how they tell their business partners that they won't pursue their dreams today. But this is exactly the kind of person that you are. Thank you for living a meaningful life with such intention and purpose, for setting an example and teaching me important values without needing to tell me. Thank you for being so patient with your stubborn brother throughout all these years. Thank you for teaching me how to let go of the toxic weeds that were holding me back. Thank you for always having my back, and even when I sometimes haven't had yours. Today, my purpose is to live a happy life that will make my hero proud. I'm going to share the values you taught me with others. I'm going to show love for the world as you did for me. I'm thankful to God every day for you, and the world is lucky to have you in it. I love you. Jesus. Thank you, man. 
That's fucking amazing. My God. Okay, let's take a break. All right. <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> break all right how are you feeling good 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 oh man that was good this room gets like too stuffy after a while yeah, yeah for listeners we're back in the room for this episode last episode i tried to record in the living room and it just that was hard. that was hard to edit <laughs> so shitty for noise i think where we can start though is back in korea mm-hmm. uh, I, i'm really curious more about that transition from being Guatemalan stuck in Indonesia now becoming Korean so you said that you kind of learned it from foreigners were are there any stories or specific examples where you're like oh shit okay like this kind of makes sense to me um I'm becoming or like I beginning to identify Mm. as this yeah what I what I was very surprised about was how many people I came across that we're going through a similar thing that I was. Oh, yeah, Itaewon. Yeah, Itaewon, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. the hot spot. Yeah, okay. exactly. Hot spot. <laughs> we all know, we all know what's up. That's but, uh, yeah, we, we all went, uh, sorry, like we, when, when I met these people that were also Korean, but they went to Europe, they went mm. to uh, Australia, a lot of Australian Koreans. Mm. And this is in school? Uh, no, just uh, around. Said, like, around, yeah. Okay. Uh, if I went to a library, if I went to, uh, churches right uh, but yeah there were so many people uh, that were going through a similar thing that i was going through and we just kind of learned from each other's stories i i i met this person that they were from mongolia mm-hmm. yeah right. so uh they were born here same thing I, I think their parents were missionaries so they uh went to mongolia and then they just came back uh 16 years later to korea wow and similar, very very similar story yeah. And they, they didn't know how to speak Korean properly. They didn't understand the culture. So the family was taking some time to learn what it was all about. Mm. And that gave me some reassurance and comfort that maybe I'm not weird. Maybe, uh, maybe I'm not messed up. Maybe it's just something that my life, you know, it's a very unique experience that I'm going through. Right. And I think that was the first step, just yeah. having that realization that I was okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, there's nothing wrong with me. Yeah. And if other people, it seems, it sounds like, oh, other people are trying to solve this quote unquote issue yeah. by doing the same thing, sending their kids to Korea. So yeah. it's like, maybe it's going to work yeah, out. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And, and then I started learning about, um, okay, like, so these people are going through and then they, they've come out the, on the other end, um, better. One way or another. Mm. And it's hard for me to say like specifically what it was to them, but one way or another, most people were happy that they did this. Mm. And then in my experience, I was able to really say that, yeah, I'm a Korean person. I solidified my identity. I, you know, I I did pick up the language better. Mm. I understood the mannerisms. There were so many things that growing up, I just didn't understand. I was constantly challenging Mm So many different aspects of my culture, my Korean culture. And I just started to really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was uh, one example of the culture that didn't make sense to you, but you began to understand? <clears throat> the, the distance 
in terms of the type of relationship you build with others. So in the Latino culture where I grew up, uh, everyone is very warm mm. and close. And when you greet someone, you give them a hug, you give them a kiss, you're mm. loud. It doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter, you know, if you're 10 years old and you're talking to someone who's 60 years old, mm. you know, you, you treat them the same in that's, that regard. Right? That's cool. And you just kind of feel that like warmth and love. Mm -hmm. It feels very communal. And then when I, what I had to adjust with was, okay, when I went to Korea, there was just so much distance. Mm. And it is very communal, but in a different way. Because there's a, the concept of respect, the concept of really looking up to elders in a different way. Mm -hmm. um, it's just different. And so I had to like really understand, um, first, identify that it was different and that there was beauty in the two. It was just different, right? Mm -hmm. So. I think that part was one of the things that I had to adjust. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, your parents, I think, did a really good job sending you there. Yeah, like, absolutely. I remember when I was growing up, too, I always kind of revert back to this as my example. But it's like bowing mm -hmm. um, in Korean culture, right? Because that's something that was non-existent here. It's like, when do you bow? You bow after, like, I don't know, a talent show or something. Mm -hmm. And you bow in, like, because we're kids, we bow in some weird-ass way, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but then these Koreans at my school would be like, some people would be getting into trouble from the seniors and like brought to the washrooms and like reamed out there because they didn't bow 90 degrees. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's the weirdest thing ever. And like the most petty thing ever it looked like. Yeah. And then, but then even now I think people our age, uh, there are people who still struggle with cultural identity and then try to just like accept those concepts. And like a lot of people still dismiss it and be like, man, that's the dumbest thing ever. Um, and I don't really, it's weird after there was a random point, I suddenly understood it and like agreed with it and didn't see anything wrong with it. Yeah. I don't agree with like, oh, you're fucking five degrees off. <laughs> like, <laughs> what is wrong with you? But I think the underlying concept of it, of just respect and, um, I don't know, just being okay with calling someone older or mm. treating someone older with respect, even if they don't deserve it. That suddenly made sense to me. I'm not sure why. Yeah. But that was always one of my biggest things when I was growing up. Like, yeah. what the fuck is this shit? Yeah. And for me, it was hard because I, I didn't even know how old someone was. Yeah. And I didn't know how to go about it. Oh, how to ask you, <laughs> How to right? ask someone respectfully <laughs> yeah. without offending someone. <laughs> and I'm like, That's I don't true. know if I should about Even with you. I was mm. like, mm. Should, I, should I call you young? I, I don't know, <laughs> right? right? right. So, <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, yeah, you called me young last time. I was like, I mean, I could run with it. Yeah. <laughs> it feels good. <laughs> no, I have this weird thing too, though, where it's like, um, now that our age is older, mm -hmm. right? We're not young anymore. At one point, we used to be the youngest everywhere we went. Right. But now I'm like, there's a lot of things. I'm like, yeah. I'm the young. I'm yeah. like, what the fuck? Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I don't feel like it. But the older I get, the more like, if there's somebody younger than me, I want to take care of him kind mm. of thing. It's like, ah, you know, like, I love, I always tell my girlfriend, like, oh, well, like, he's a thing that I really like mm -hmm. kind of thing. And it's this weird feeling and weird kind of like type of love for this yeah. person, right? Yeah. That you want to take care of him. Um, but that's like very apparent in Korean culture, I think. Mm -hmm. And that's something yeah. I learned and something I really enjoy. Yeah. I think I learned that just from like older guys taking care of me as yeah. well or like yeah. Nunas or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. Okay. And, and that was a communal part that I was talking about that I, right. that I realized like, oh, it's so different, but we all have each other's back. That's true. At the end of the day, right? It's like, yeah. oh, that's so beautiful. 
Yeah, and the weird thing about Koreans is like they'll hate each other yeah. every day. But then every time it becomes like Korea versus blank, then oh, yeah. everybody's best friends. <laughs> like one <laughs> Korea over everything. I'm like, yeah. you hated each other yesterday. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Koreans are interesting that way. That's why, yeah, the more I get into that culture too, it's like, because there's still so many fucked up things about it, especially in terms of, I think, like the sex, mm-hmm. sex trade and stuff. Yeah. Um, or just perversion in general. Yeah. And just like psychos in Korea or like mm. hardcore, psychotic, mm. right? But then there's still so many good things about the culture. It's just like, the more I see it, the more I realize, yeah, it's not entirely messed up. There's still yeah. great things about it, much like our culture here, right? And there's still a lot of messed up things here and a lot of great things here. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. It's weird. But okay, all that being said, so now you would introduce yourself as Korean. That's I what do. you said. Yes. Um, what about hometown? Where's that for you? Where's home? Home? Home was one of those things that I was also very confused about growing up, right? Mm-hmm. Because I moved so much. Mm-hmm. Even when I was traveling uh, within Guatemala, I was also, I think every two years I was moving. Mm. So I never really had the things that make a hometown personal. Right? Oh. I didn't have those bonds with people. I didn't have those childhood friends. I didn't have, you know, that barber that you've been going to for the past 10 years. I didn't have any of those connections. Mm-hmm. So... Canada was the first time that I felt, okay, I've been here for now uh, almost 10 years. And I, I have friends that have stuck with me for a long time since I first came here. And there's a level of vulnerability that I'm comfortable sharing with people. Mm-hmm. I, I used to be very guarded. Mm-hmm. But now even, even with people that I might not know, I just I had this sense of security, right? Mm-hmm. This is my home. I, I've had strong foundations I have good friendships. I have some bad friendships, but um, but I'm safe here. Mm. So I can be comfortable. I can be vulnerable. And so anyone asks me, home is here. Yeah. DC. That's crazy. Yeah, because yeah. I think home is one of those things that's hard to define as well. Mm-hmm. Right? Like what makes a home? But I think you just yeah. you just defined it. So yeah. <laughs> that's cool. I've never really thought about or connected home to vulnerability as well. Mm. Or like a place that... And I mean, it makes sense to say that home is a place that makes you feel safe. But I think vulnerability as a byproduct of that, that's, yeah. that's different. Um, interesting. But dude, there's still too many things I want to ask you. <laughs> Go for it. Let's do it. Because like, now yeah. there's that whole... Fun. Well, okay, let's back up. I think we skipped from Korea then. Okay. I still don't know how you got to Canada, right? So what happened after that year of Korea? Yeah, so at the time now, I think I was... 16, 17, mm-hmm. and I've, uh, oh, I forgot to mention, in Korea, I was doing online school. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I, I needed to complete my high school years, mm-hmm. right? Because the plan is for me to go to university. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I was doing, um, uh, the school that I was doing it through is in, located in Ontario. Mm-hmm. And I was learning uh, grade 11 and 12 uh, with a Canadian curriculum. Why? And everything was self-paced. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. And so you're in Korea, but you're doing a Canadian curriculum. That's right. On f- my own. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And it was really tough because I was teaching myself a lot of these things. Right. And I wasn't a good student. Right. I, I didn't have the foundations of good study skills, good habits. So I was really struggling to learn a lot of the subjects on my own. Mm-hmm. That's asking a lot. Yeah. 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 And there was tight timeline also of when I had to finish everything if I wanted to get into university on time. Uh, and at the time, the 
problems that I was facing was if I didn't get into university that year, mm -hmm. then I would have had to go to the army. Oh, right. Because I'm still a Korean citizen. Oh, right. Time. Yeah. Oh, my God. That must have ticked you off. No. And so like... now I'm like a 17 year old and I'm like, okay, I'm starting. I appreciate the culture. I appreciate my country. Yes. <laughs> but now they want to send me to the army. <laughs> but I don't know if I can go to the army, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. And so there was a lot of pressure. And um, I think the choices was between going to Australia because I have some family there or oh. uh, going to Canada where my sister uh, has built a home. There, right so i've been visiting canada for the past i think 10 years before that oh, even see. as a little kid i just kept coming over the summers mm. uh, visited different provinces and i just fell in love with canada oh, okay so i decided yep i'm gonna do university there oh. and i finished my course on time i got accepted to my university mm. here in bc and i i just knew that i wanted to to live close to my sister yeah yeah. Right. Especially because everything we went through. I didn't yeah. want to be so distant again. Right. So, right. I, yeah. What was that um, transition from you were very mad at your sister, right? Or very angry with her to that transition of like, damn, you're my hero. Yeah. I think there's levels to it. Right. And I think now I reached a point because of my personal experiences and struggles with life, struggles with depression, struggles with uh, building a career and, and losing things and mm -hmm. sacrificing them, some things in life too, I think now I've reached a level where I genuinely appreciate her at a very high level. Mm. I think back then, though, I, I was still a little kid. Okay. And so I just didn't have the maturity mm. to put all those pieces together. Mm. And I just, yeah, so I, I started to... I was really, really mad for six months, right? And I hated her every day. And then once I started like seeing everything that she was giving up and how hard it was for her too mm. in Korea, because I'm just thinking about myself this whole time. I'm not thinking yeah, about actually, what she's yeah. going through. Yeah, I'm not thinking about the fact, because my sister has a very similar story too. She left when she was nine years old, um. right? And she's never been back home. So everything is new to her too. And now she has to not only sacrifice everything that she did mm. but now she has to start adjust yeah adjust and get a new job fuck yeah and because how are, we're and nothing is free right we have to pay right. for things and i can't work so now my sister is uh getting a new job there uh that can provide for us uh she's also trying to build relationships there she's also trying to teach me um mm. there's just so many things that she was going through as well wow and you know, for the longest time, I was just thinking about myself. And then once I started thinking a little bit and seeing what type of adjustments she had to make too, that's when I started to like really appreciate like, wow, uh -huh. A, she's going through it with me. B, she's made all these sacrifices. Right. And C, she's not complaining and uh -huh. she's just doing the best that she can. Yeah. And it took some time, uh, but that was the starting point when I started realizing it. Once I, I... I came to Canada and I started getting older. That's when mm. I think my levels of appreciation started deepening. Right. Because you really begin to understand more. Yeah. 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 yeah see, I think is huge, right? Yeah. Not complaining about mm. it. That's probably the biggest thing. Because yeah. I think that's what I see in a lot of 
immigrant uh, parents, mm-hmm. right? It's yeah. like, sur- sure, they'll, sometimes they'll have breakdowns and they'll be like, yeah, I've lost everything, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But 99% of the time, they never complain about it. Right? Yeah. It's just something yeah. that they have to go through for the family. And I think that's the most admirable thing a person can do. Absolutely. So that's pretty crazy. Yeah. You know? Um, I didn't even realize until you said it. Yeah, she grew up very Canadian too, or like mm-hmm. mixed, right? Because nine years, that's enough to be Koreanized. Yeah. But then... Another like what fifteen years or mm-hmm. whatever many years that's like enough to be confused yeah about absolutely. and lose touch. So I guess the Korea trip was good for her culturally as well. Yes, is that what I'm assuming. Okay, it was good for her. Um, she didn't do it for her because right of where she was in life. Right, right. She just started everything, mm-hmm. and she came here when she was fifteen. Uh, really built her way up, mm-hmm. and she just got to a point where, okay. I, I have a relationship. I got married. I have a job. I have business partners. I'm putting right. things together and then right. just dropped it. Yeah. And so it wasn't... The last thing she needed was that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but... Have you spoken with her about it? Like in hindsight, was it, did it help her as well? To be honest, her? It did. Um, she learned a lot. And she's one of those people that she makes the best out of it. Uh-huh. Right. So uh, the fact that she didn't complain the whole time she was there, mm. uh, it was because she was like, you know what? This is a good opportunity for me too, to learn things, to meet people, to experience things that I wouldn't experience back home, right? Mm. And uh, she really focused on uh, the things that she could control, which is herself. Mm-hmm. And that's the craziest part because you can't, she taught me that you cannot control your environments always in life. Mm. Uh, there's so many complexities. There's so much so many variables, so much movement, but you can control yourself. You can control how you react to those changes, to those challenges. And uh, she really illustrated that by living the way that she did. Yeah. Jeez. And then you mentioned that near the end of that career, one year um, trip, I don't know what to call it. It's not a trip, but like <laughs> experience. <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mission, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that she was beginning to get calls from her business partners, I'm assuming. Um, obviously, did stuff with her dog. And then I can't imagine what's going on with the new new husband. Um, what happened? Was it all okay? Or My brother-in-law, mm-hmm. he, and he, he is one of the most patient people oh. you'll ever meet. Yeah. And he's very quiet, but... He's like a rock. He just, I don't know how he does it, but he, nothing can shake him almost, mm-hmm. right? Damn. Except my sister. <laughs> <laughs> but he actually came to visit us in Korea. Oh, wow. And uh, he spent about a month also seeing, um, you know, what we were experiencing, learning the culture, learning the language too. Um, so he was also one of those that was trying to make the best out of the situation. Wow. Korean as well? Korean as well. Oh, yeah. okay. Oh, sorry. No, no. He was learning Korean, but he's Peruvian. Uh-huh. Oh, whoa. Yeah. You guys, this family, that's so cool. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So at home, uh, they speak Spanish. Yeah. And I speak Spanish with them too. Yeah. 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 Um, And so marriage was good, very strong. Um, Shaky because it was so new, right? And and they were learning, and they're very young too, right? But they're learning how to trust each other. They're learning how to make it work with such a distance and... Mm. You know, as I said, my sister gave up her work that was also helping with the mortgage. So my brother-in-law had to really step up. Uh-huh. And um, to him, I also extend a lot of my appreciation because right. I didn't realize it back then, but there were just so many people that had to sacrifice so many things yeah. just for me. And I was only looking at one thing at a time back then. But, you know, even when I reflect about it now, mm. I realize 
he was affected and he was making a lot of sacrifices too. Yeah. And he could have made it difficult for her to pursue that, but yeah. he didn't. Yeah. He also was on board. Yeah. Like he would have, it would have been so easy for him to be like, you know, fuck that kid. Like, yeah. who is this kid? I don't care. <laughs> like, exactly. Damn, though. That's, yeah, those are things you don't really think about the mm-hmm. extra impact, right? Yeah. Shit. Okay. And then, then what about work and stuff? How did that get resolved? Yeah. I, she, she had, I think she started a different career path. She oh, was working wow. more hands on with little kids before she left. Oh. So she's an ECE. Mm early childhood educator and then when she came back she started realizing like oh she actually got experience working in more of a managerial role in korea oh wow i don't know how she managed that yeah oh wow <laughs> but she did uh despite not living there and you know not speaking the language the way that yeah. they do but um she came back to that experience and actually started like um working on rebuilding those relationships with business partners that mm-hmm. were on pause and then shortly after she came back, uh, she opened up two businesses, uh, two uh, out-of-school programs, yeah. uh, working with kids, I think ages 0 to 12. Wow. And so now she employs a, a big staff. And Who is yeah, she? Holy it, shit. It's wild. Yeah. <laughs> she's a phenomenal yeah. person. Damn. That's, that's drive. Yeah. That's yeah. discipline. So you said you've spoken with her about it a couple of times. How were the first couple of talks with the, uh, about this with her? Just a huge appreciation mm-hmm. to her for everything that she had to give up. Uh, Did you find it easy to express those emotions? I think, so kind of going way back, way, way back. Mm-hmm. Um, my sister, because she was in Canada from the age of 15 onwards, and I was traveling with my parents, we had a bit of a distant relationship where we were close when we saw each other, but I wouldn't really call her just to um, right. open up about my struggles and ambitions in life, right? It was just, it, it was quite distant. So yeah. when we went to Korea and we spent that year together, that's, we started really bonding. And I was able to actually open up more and more and more. And it started with hate. Just opening up about hate. Mm-hmm. And then it went to opening up about some of the struggles that I was going through. Mm-hmm. And then it went to, now I'm starting to open up about love mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it was quite a process, but um, that year really helped us. Yeah. And when we came to Canada, I started university. Uh, I, become, I became more open with her, uh, very comfortable expressing how I felt and how mm-hmm. thankful I was. Uh, because I definitely wouldn't have made it to Canada without her. Mm. Mm. Damn, dude. It's like straight out of a movie. <laughs> so once you came to Canada then, um, and this is kind of one of the topics I try to get into as well, is their impact on you and your character. With yours, I think it's pretty self-evident, and we've talked about your career already, so she's affected you that in that sense. Mm. Um, but what about your relationships with other people? So pre, I don't know, it's weird to say, let's say pre-Korea and then post-Korea yeah. and how you treated people. I'm assuming that there's going to be a shift. Yes. Um, can you explain more about that? Pre-Korea, it was all about Sunny. Mm. It was just me. It was what my needs were, what I wanted. It, it was moving everything out of my way so that I can get 
what I thought I deserved. Mm. And I never really thought so much about other people. And then after everything that we went through, um, then I started to realize through her example and through the example of my brother-in-law and my parents and everybody that, um, you know, they worked as a team to help me. Mm. I realized um, what it took to be there for other people. Right. And so I wanted to get into law enforcement. Mm. Right. Mm. And the idea why, the reason why I wanted to do that was because it was cool. I thought it was a good job. Their security, mm -hmm. uh, it was challenging, which is important to me. But when I started getting into my field, I, I, I realized I naturally gravitated towards helping roles mm. and serving roles where I, I, I could help people in a way similar to how my sister helped me. Right. So helping people who are maybe lost in life, mm. helping people who are struggling, uh, and I think a lot of that influence came from her. So mm -hmm. now I am in a, in a place where I just want to help people. I want to make people feel happy, make people understand like, with a clear vision where they want to go in life. Mm -hmm. And it all came from my sister. Mm -hmm. And again, that's because you know the benefit of it, I guess. Is that why? Or? Yeah. Yeah. I, I just see the value in it. Uh, I can't picture where my life would be if I didn't go through all that with her. But I just know that I'm so happy that yeah. we landed here. That's crazy, man. Yeah. Would you say your personality is similar to hers now as well? Or is that still very different? It's very different. Yeah. Because I am more calm, I think. And <laughs> I'm more calm and collected. Uh, <laughs> I, I, more th I think I'm more thoughtful about day-to-day... -day you know, practical. I'm almost, almost protective of our okay. family, right? So yeah. if things, I think of plans A to Z and if sure. I see that something might not work out, mm. then I start uh, strategizing, right? And yeah. try to problem solve things. Whereas my sister is very action oriented. Uh -huh. You know, she's very vocal yeah. about... And she sounds like a go-getter. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And she she, she doesn't pause. Mm -hmm. She's constantly moving. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, we are in some way. We get along really, really. We have an amazing relationship. Yeah. Uh, but we're very different. Yeah, that's crazy, yeah. man. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think if I were you, just to think back pre-Korea, your relationship, and then like first six months in Korea relationship mm -hmm. compared to now. Yeah. Fucking huge difference, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's crazy. Has she ever said something like that she's surprised as well that your relationship has become like this? No, it's it's almost like she always had faith in the process. Wow, you know, and who is this person? I, I know, Jesus <laughs> Christ, it's crazy. She's never brought it up. She's never sought appreciation, mm. or you know, she never wanted the credit for anything. She just mm. did it, and she knew that everything was going to be okay. That it was serving mm. a good purpose. Yeah, she never reminds me of my mistakes. Wow, no, never. She's always thinking. Um, you know, how I can improve into the future. But mm -hmm. she also reminds me how far I've come. Mm. And and she she takes that positive light to everything. So crazy, uh, dude. now I'm just so, I feel like I can do anything because yeah. I have her backup. You know, I'm not scared about anything. Yeah. And it's not even from my internal strength only. It's just the love and support that I get from those type of people. It makes me feel invincible almost. Yeah. Holy shit. 
this might be a somewhat uncomfortable question. Um, but because you, it sounds like you really, really respect your sister, right? Has it ever come to a point where it's, where you compare her to your parents and how they raised you? Because if, if somebody asks you who raised you, what mm-hmm. do you say? I say a little bit of both. Mm. Because my sister did take that maternal role, you know, just the age difference, uh, nine years. And so, and she's always just had that caretaking right. um, personality. So mm-hmm. my parents, they were quite strict in my upbringing. Uh, they always taught me tough love, right? They mm-hmm. taught me that life wasn't going to be easy and that they've gone through a lot of sacrifices uh, to provide me the opportunities that they didn't have growing up. My sister, you know, she did it the way that she did, right? Um, but she always reminded me that I should always be thankful for everything my parents did, you know? And Who is she? Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Well, yeah, okay. Because I grew up, my parents working 12 hours a day, yeah. uh, weekends included. I, I felt more close to nannies growing up than my own parents. So my sister recognized that there was some resentment on my part, that there was some forgiving I needed to do as well. And she's the one that helped me get to that point where I was able to forgive my parents and, and really appreciate everything that they have done for truly what it was. Mm. Uh, she's the one that really showed me. And um, yeah, it's... Where did she learn that? I don't know, to be honest. Yeah. I don't know. I I don't know how she came to Canada at 15 and figured it all out. I don't know how she yeah. is so readily sacrifices things for other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be honest, that's why I think she's my superhero because I don't know many people that have that, right? I, mm-hmm. I, I don't have that and I, I wish I could learn more from her continually and Mm. and maybe get to a point that can be close to that. But Mm. it's incredible. It's crazy. For that resentment then, I guess it was kind of um, from the absence of being at home, I guess, because they're working all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, But even if she teaches you and like tells you these things, I think that's different from you actually really believing it and internalizing it. Yeah. Can you just speak on a little bit more about that? Like, what was that process like? What made you understand? I think it was building the trust mm-hmm. with my sister because my parents were very vocal about the sacrifices they were making. Oh, right. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah, right. So, um, but it was just because, uh, you know, it's frustrating, right? Like you have a kid that doesn't appreciate anything, just thinks about mm-hmm. himself. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And then they're doing so much for me, yeah, right? And so yeah. they just wanted to tell me like, you know, um, that, it was so much more than just wanting things just for myself, right? Mm. That's what they were trying to show me. But I, you know, when you're a little kid and people just tell you to believe in something that, you know, you don't understand why or that you just follow certain rules, yeah. you start blocking out mm. all the noise, right? All the, all the advice, all the, uh, the, the words of wisdom from others. And I thought initially with my sister, it was the same thing. And then it got to a point uh, over time mm. that um, as I started bonding with her more closely, I started trusting her. Mm. And I started trusting that, oh, wow, like everything she's doing is for a good reason. Mm. So probably what she's telling me is also good. And once I started trusting her, I think that's when my mind started shifting. Interesting. Yeah. 
what about present day relationship then with your parents? Like, how would you describe it? I definitely love them. Mm-hmm. I try hard to keep a connection with them. The reason being is because they're traveling constantly. They're still doing what they been yeah. doing their whole lives, right? So Jeez. they're in Vietnam. They travel to Korea often, but mm-hmm. they're still on that side of the world. And I see them maybe once every two years. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we talk every week still, right? Mm-hmm. So we do cacao talk, uh, call yeah. them, message them, send photos, right? Yeah. Just to kind of maintain that long distance That's connection. Good. Yeah. But I, I, I constantly feel like I, there's more I, need, I can do, mm-hmm. right? That maybe I should call them a little bit more, show my appreciation while they're healthy and they're here and, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking about that a little bit during the break, right? Where mm-hmm. it's like it's something you can't, ignore anymore i think right it's something that you can't you have to think about I yeah think. it's just inevitable yeah absolutely you know? with most asian americans um north america we we have very similar stories right and just it's kind of typical you grow up thinking that you're canadian um there's friction at home you don't really understand it and at some point for some of us we suddenly begin to appreciate our home motherland and then uh we connect a little bit better, but we still have distance. And there's this huge spectrum of uh, some people identify more than others. And some people still have like, they'll still complain about, for example, bowing in Korean culture, mm-hmm. um, but they'll love the food or something. Yeah. It's a weird space, I think, right now. But the stories yeah. are very similar. But in your case, like your parents are in all these different cultures. You're in all these different cultures. Um, what is that... I don't know what it's like. How would you do you see differences though between yourself and the Korean Amer- or Korean Canadians here? Yeah, I, I think we all share a similar background, and we I, I love when I can relate uh, to people that have gone through something similar, mm. right? And um, it's I, but it's just different, right? We all have our very unique challenges and very unique success stories too. Right? Mm. We all do it at different times. Uh, we all get to better places, hopefully, most of us get to better places, um, you know, different times of our lives, right? Mm-hmm. And we cope with things differently too. So I think it's a little bit of both. I, I do appreciate and celebrate when I can connect to someone and say, hey, man, you, you're, uh, you're exactly like me. You're, yeah. you're, uh, you're from Korea, but you grew up here. And so mm-hmm. we can relate. But... Um, there's things that I just won't understand that they've gone through. Right. And likewise. Right. Right. That maybe they don't know what I'm going through. Right. But I think that's what's so cool about it because that we build that initial connection, but now we can support each other because mm-hmm. I can kind of understand, not fully, but we're maybe on that same wavelength. So mm-hmm. how can we support each other. Exactly. Yeah. What's your community here now then? What's your, I guess, main community? Yeah, um, I'm big into the boxing mm. world. Um, I build a big community there. We have mutual friends from there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, here, I've <clears throat> as I was going through university, I met a lot of people from all over the world. Right. So I actually got quite involved in their international department uh-huh. uh, as I was a student. And I met people from all over the world. And my best friends now are from Germany, Peru, Mexico, right? And yeah. so it's really interesting 
when I think about my top 10 um, most frequently called numbers, mm-hmm. they're people from all over the world. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think my community is quite diverse. Mm. You know, I, I, I have people that I'm constantly learning from, people that question me, people that I agree with, mm. uh, and then people that, um, you know, uh, we're not in the same wavelength right now. Right. Uh, but there's so much that I can appreciate from them. So, yeah, it's uh, it's really confusing, but yeah, yeah. my life has always been so. <laughs> True that. But I love it. I I really love it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, man, that's unique. Yeah. Um, and then from that though, because we also kind of talked about this during the break mm-hmm. in terms of a Korean community. Yeah. Uh, I know that's something. Yeah, your mother's been pushing. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Like, what are what are your thoughts on that? I understand it. Mm-hmm. Because ever since I was a little kid, my mom and my dad, they worked so hard so that I keep my Korean roots, mm. right? They worked so hard. That's why they only spoke to me in Korean growing up at home. That's why they taught me Korean mannerisms. They showed me Korean food, um, even though we were living outside of Korea most mm. of my life. Mm. And they just don't want to lose that part that they worked so hard for for so many years, mm. right? They want me to keep my identity as a Korean um, we did that whole trip to Korea so that I can kind of solidify that, mm-hmm. right? And they just wanted to keep going and to keep appreciating my culture. Mm. And what's really cool now is that now I'm actually starting to also reverse the role on them. So I'm showing them also like, oh, yeah. you know, other cultures are really cool. And oh, this, is what, this is what's awesome about Canada. Yeah, this is what's yeah. awesome about Peru and Guatemala. And slowly they're starting to also open up their hearts and minds to other cultures. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, yeah, it's weird how that role changes too. Yeah, because I think that's definitely something we all kind of kind of go through mm-hmm. uh, as children mm-hmm. in the diaspora. It's kind of like, yeah, opening your parents up to newer things because obviously there's only so many things you can learn once you're stuck in a mindset yeah. Yeah. inside a culture. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, okay. Languages. That's mm-hmm. another thing I was really curious about. Yeah. So you're trilingual, or even more? No, I'm I'm trilingual. I was quadruple. Lingual? Yeah, yeah. I never even hear that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so um, my the first language I learned was Korean as a little baby, mm. but I only received formal education in Spanish. Oh, okay. So my most dominant language was Spanish. Oh, okay. Up. Yeah. At school, it was a Spanish curriculum. Mm-hmm. I, they integrate a little bit of English, so I was learning English growing up, but I didn't really learn it until I was probably in grade five okay wow yeah, so it was mainly spanish yeah and a little bit of korean yeah and then i was slowly trying to learn english yeah so i i learned english quite late um and once i started getting to middle school then uh, i started going to some schools that had a american curriculum so i started learning english mm. more and um yeah so now i i would say spanish and english are my more proficient languages wow yeah and I'm practicing on my Korean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised that that trip, I guess, yeah, one year is not going to do too much, I guess, right? In terms no, of language. No. And I also so, lived in Itaewon. Right. So, so it's a little different. I, I was speaking English every other day. Oh, yeah. I see. <laughs> How was that adjustment to Canada? Was it easy? Because, like, what's your image of Canada? It was very, when I first came here, I genuinely, genuinely thought that it was. Kind of like Newfoundland, and you know what I mean? Like it was yeah. just big spaces and yeah. little people, right? And then I quickly realized, 
Yeah. No, I really. Oh, not size. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. okay. No, no, not size. Few people. Few gotcha, people. Gotcha. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> okay, okay. I was big in Korea, but <laughs> but when I came here, I was smaller. But <laughs> no, no. But uh, yeah, there was like I thought it was few people and big mm. spaces, and when I came, I quickly realized no, there's a lot of people, and yeah. it's, it's people from all over the world, mm-hmm. and the way that because I was traveling so much, and um, because I wasn't necessarily building those close relationships right. when I was in Korea. Um, I had a few, but um, I was still doing online school. I was spending a lot of time at home. I, I didn't have those social networks that I was craving. Mm-hmm. So when I came here, it was an opportunity for me to meet everybody I could. Um, so, uh, yeah, I just... Became I, a social butterfly. I did, yeah. I did. And I would go up to strangers and <laughs> say, hello, my name is Sunny. And they were really <laughs> weirded out. One of my best friends, yeah. uh, we were talking about that the other day. And he was saying, you know, you were so weird. You came to me out of nowhere wearing a backwards hat and introduced yourself. And I was like, who are you? <laughs> but now we're like, one of our, he's one of my best friends. You know? yeah. This is 80 years ago. So, oh, so funny. Yeah, I, I, I learned um, so much from all these different cultures. Mm-hmm. Um. It's almost like I'm traveling without leaving, mm. right? And and they bring their culture, their languages, their identities, their experiences all here. And I get to taste a little bit of that. And then I get inspired to travel the world, mm. to visit their homes um, because uh, I get exposed to that, right? So that, I think that's one of the most special things Man. about coming here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like me growing up, when I was a kid, I was like, never attracted to Korean girls, mainly because mm. there's not a lot of Korean girls, yeah. right? Um, but then you mentioned your sister's married to someone Peruvian. Um, but then I, I would always recall my parents being like, not like, I don't know, actually. It's kind of fuzzy, but they did mention at least once or twice, like, yo, who are you going to marry? Like, mm. Are you going to marry Canadian or Korean? Yeah. I think at one point, though, they're like, oh, 100%, he's going to marry a Canadian. Um, but now they're, I think at one point they were kind of pushing for Korean. Mm. What about your parents towards your sister and then towards you? Yeah, my, they, they really struggled at first because they wanted us to be with uh, Korean people. Mm. Right. And my sister kind of paved the way <laughs> for me. <'cause laughs> yeah. She, I think she tried dating, uh, uh, Korean people in the past mm. and it didn't work out. Mm. Right. And, um, to be honest, I never got into it with her as to why that never worked out. Mm. But when she met my brother-in-law, I think her connection to Guatemala and the Latino culture is just, it made sense. Wow. The language, the mm-hmm. food. Because she, she grew up in Guatemala as well, right? She did, 15 yeah. years? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I think because of that connection that she had, uh, it wasn't that she was not open to dating Korean people, but she just felt immediate love for... Marco, my brother-in-law, mm-hmm. uh, who is Peruvian, who was, who kind of reminded her of a lot of the things that she loved from mm-hmm. back home. Mm-hmm. And uh, my parents struggled initially, yeah, right, yeah. as most parents would in that situation. But yeah. uh, she really showed them why, why him, oh, you know? wow. why was that it was important for uh, for her to make this decision, right. and that. She never disrespected them, right? In that process, she she really understood where they were coming from, but she just wanted to also show them that um, this is the way to her happy romantic life, mm. right? And I think they were more open to it. I, I think 
a gender does play with it too. They were a little bit more flexible because she is female. Oh, I see. With me, uh, you know, it's it's a little bit trickier because they have reminded me in the past that if I'm a Korean male, that, mm. you know, there are certain responsibilities, unspoken rules that um, come mm. with the type of romantic relationship that I will pursue. Right. So yeah. in terms of, I guess, like continuing the family. That's right. Yeah. Bloodline. Yeah. Bloodline. That's yeah. word by word. Oh, okay. <laughs> what she said. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and I really struggle with it. So mm. my current girlfriend is from Bangladesh. Oh, okay. And Man, you really are. Yeah. Holy <laughs> shit. She's from Bangladesh, yeah. and she's amazing. I, I'm I'm very thankful and lucky to to be with her. Mm. Um, and it's you know it's it's a bit of a struggle for them to understand um mm. my relationship because they just haven't had that exposure. They don't know, right? And people can be afraid of what they don't know. Mm-hmm. but slowly I'm just showing them uh, similar to how my sister did it that mm-hmm. this is also what's going to make me happy mm-hmm. and um, yeah it's, it's it's still a bit of a process they they do wish for me to be with a Korean person mm-hmm. but Korean girls are beautiful they are amazing 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 people mm-hmm. but I've just never had that attraction mm-hmm. uh, like that romantically to Korean girls so yeah yeah, uh, yeah so Working on it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the answer to it is just like uh, fill your quota. You know, yeah, find a right. Korean community and just feel like, hey, I spent time with Koreans today. That's right. Um, yeah. Let me date who I want. <laughs> That's right. We have to hang out more. Yeah, and then yeah. I'll have no problems. Yeah, there. <laughs> I'll, I'll bring you to uh, the next Korean meetup. <laughs> All right, sounds good. <laughs> you can just like record it in like, ten seconds, send it to your mom, and be like, hey, guys, peace. I'm gonna go. <laughs> Okay, and then the last one is not really, I, I guess, a quick topic, but uh, the depression phase. Mm. That's another thing that I'm kind of interested mm-hmm. in. And yeah. I'm assuming that there's so many things that also played a role in that. Because mm. um, I think before we kind of really... Are, well, first, are you comfortable with Absolutely. speaking about yes. it? Okay, sweet. Um, before we jump into it, if you had to compare... I don't know how to put it. I guess like... Was that the most difficult time in your life or was the Indonesia to Korea transition more difficult? Yeah, I I think they were different um, and I interpreted them both differently. Mm. So when I was transitioning to, like when I moved to Korea and I was going through all the transition, I thought that, uh, you know, at the time also I, I wasn't developed mature wise. So everything felt like it was the end of the world for mm. me personally. And I because I didn't understand myself really, mm-hmm. I and I didn't understand what was happening around me. Also, I I think I was just more putting blame on people. Yeah, but I wasn't necessarily depressed. Mm. What happened for me was when I finished school, um, I removed myself from uh, the community that I grew up to love mm. for the past couple of years. And a job opportunity came up, mm. which kind of forced me to get out of that. I see. And then I was also learning, as I said, like in, in, in the field that I was working with, supporting the, the people that I was helping. Um, it's really tough when you see so much darkness every day. Mm. And now you're doing it on your own because now you're far away from your community. And that's when slowly, I didn't even realize that I was getting depression, but I, it slowly started affecting me, right? And yeah. I, I started feeling less happy, less energetic. I started distancing my way, my myself away from people. Mm. 
um, I started uh, blaming mm -hmm. so many things, yeah. right? And a lot of the lessons that I had learned growing up, I started forgetting them, uh. right? I started to, to forget that I should appreciate what I had. I started to forget, you know, the, the lessons that my sister taught me, right? Yeah. And then I was in that space for about a year um, where I wasn't really happy. I wasn't, I, I just, I wasn't motivated. Right? Mm. I didn't want to move. I was just stagnant. Um, and I think that's when I started finding a passion for boxing. Because mm. when I started boxing, um, it was an outlet for me to like, just let it all out and feel good. Mm. But what was so addictive for me about boxing was the community that mm. I, that I found in boxing. And it was those same guys that I saw every night that reminded me about that. And uh, we were working hard together and we we're laughing together and we we're talking about very stupid things together. <laughs> and I started building those relationships. Mm. And that's when I started reminding myself like, oh, wow, this is why community is so important. This is wow. why it's so important for me to, it wasn't about the exercise, it was about the relationships. and. Being distant from those connections that I had built mm. really affected me. Because now I felt like, oh, I don't have, people don't have my back. I'm doing it all on my own. And it's heavy and it's hard. And I, I wasn't used to um, that isolation. Right. And loneliness, it does something to you. Yeah. 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 And so uh, once I realized that, as hard as it was, I was just trying to like, okay, I need to meet people. I need yeah. to meet with friends. I need to make the time. No matter how much sleep I lose, I just need to have those connections. And slowly, um, I started reaching out back to my family, who I was distancing myself from mm. for some time, my, my friends from the other city that I had moved away from. Mm. Um, and then I slowly started finding my way again. Mm. Um, and it, for me personally, I never had um, very serious suicide ideation mm. uh, however i did find myself very um lacking meaning in life i guess yeah at the time yeah um so yeah it, it can be a very dark place to be in i see yeah but i'm i'm really happy that with the help of many people i was able to mm slowly uh, get out of that space yeah yeah uh, and it was a gradual process it was it yeah. took some time it yeah took a lot of time and now yeah. you're completely out would you say i think i recognize how to deal with things now mm -hmm. that was one of my biggest lessons because right. i think we all go through these phases where we are struggling we come across these challenges and it's just so stressful and we feel the constant anxiety that life brings mm. we just need to learn what works for us yeah what is it that will help me get out of that? And how can, how can I be proactive about it? Mm. What I realized through that experience was that I wasn't invincible, that it really can happen to anybody. And I learned that I needed to be proactive. I needed to use the tools uh, so that I don't fall back there. So I wouldn't say that I'm 100% out of it. Mm. I think that external things in life are constantly coming at me. I'm just aware of how to combat those yeah. challenges yeah. and um if anything maybe nobody's completely out of it right yeah i kind of have a foot in there anyways absolutely yeah damn dude um 
not to like push an agenda and you don't mm-hmm. have to like be like blah blah but i'm just curious about your sister during that uh phase mm-hmm. what was what was she involved in it or did she help you get out at all she was uh and i was also a bit private about it mm. uh during the time because as i said i was in isolation i felt um in the loneliness that i maybe i couldn't reach out to like i was feeling that people wouldn't understand what yeah. i was going through right yeah. and so uh and i didn't want to be a bummer to people either I was trying to protect a a certain image that I wanted people to have of me. And so in trying to preserve that, I I didn't let people in. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what made it last a little bit longer than maybe it could have. Mm-hmm. Um, but once I started putting my guard down and I started like opening up, up to my sister mm-hmm. about what I was going through, um, she validated a lot of the feelings that I was going through, um, it made me feel normal that this is something that a lot of people goes through, that it's okay. And uh, she helped me just um, feel like when I was a little kid, the same way she, mm. she made me feel again as an adult that um, I was safe, that I was going to be okay, that if I used the right tools and, and I was proactive, that I was going to get out of that negative space mm. and slowly i did amazing yeah yeah well good to hear mm-hmm. um and yeah is that something that could that i think it kind of sprouted from working and seeing negativity all all the time mm-hmm. is that something that i guess you still kind of see every day in your job now or is it i do oh okay yeah i do um i just know how to and I'm still working on it, right? Yeah. It, it's, yeah. it's one of those things that I don't think you can ever master. Yeah. Just have to keep learning, keep reminding yourself that you are susceptible to getting into those dark spaces, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to be very proactive throughout. Um, but I, I think I just learned now to maintain my compassion for people, my empathy for the different challenges that people are going through, mm-hmm. but also understanding how to take care of myself in that process. Right. Um, so I just think I have a little bit more of different tools so that I can, um, you know, uh, when I'm seeing all this negativity, all the darkness, right. that I can focus on purpose. That I can mm-hmm. focus on um, what's more than just that immediate thing I'm seeing right now. Right. And is this something that I can also help them get out of, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's a journey, man. It's yeah. constant. It's hard. Mm-hmm. but slowly yeah yeah no i think uh yeah for me too that it's like kind of relevant but not <clears throat> just because uh i used to sit down with a lot of the people around me and my peers and just like hear their stuff yeah. but uh, there was one like really big month in my life where i was doing that frequently like mm-hmm. every day mm-hmm. and then after, at the end of that month i was just beat i was mm-hmm. so drained and yeah. so tired but i think one bad thing that i learned from that was and to uh, not express my own hardships to other people mm, because yeah. I saw how draining it was from the other side. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And I didn't want to do that to others. So I think uh, I ter- internalized that. And then like a couple of years later than uh, or after that, uh, when my grandma got diagnosed with cancer, mm. like for me, that was a particularly weird and difficult time. Mm. And then during that time too, though, I was like definitely pushing people away. Yeah. Um, and the big thing of that too was um, like seeing my mom 
because to me, my parents were my superheroes, right? Mm -hmm. Especially my mom. Mm -hmm. And to see her break down and like crying and like not know what to do. And then like I had no idea what to do. Um, The first and foremost thought I had was, well, the least I can do is not show any weakness and like to like trigger Mm -hmm. and and, like fear of triggering that, right? Um, So yeah, like during those times too, I was definitely kind of shutting myself off from people. Uh, I was in a relationship, I broke it off Mm -hmm. and like, so I totally understand that it's weird. It's like, yeah, it's easy to fall into. Yeah. It's easy to unlearn things that you've learned, like yeah. you said. Okay. Um, but it's definitely, I think, community um, that helps you get through. I think for me, though, I, I, and the way I got through that phase was, um, I don't know if I got through it. I think I just, I just somehow, like, it just ended. Um, but for me, it was very almost self-driven, though. I think, mm. um, I think that was a time that I think I grew up with very constant community, or at least very constant community at home. Mm. Um, but then, so that phase really forced me to learn how to like not rely on community, which is a weird, different take, I think, mm. than mm. yours. Um, it was cool to see like that there are different perspectives yeah, and stuff. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, and then that's why. But you're right with community. For me, that's why I think Korean Canadian community is so important to me. Mm, is that mm. people who share my stories, but also things like hum- as small as humor, right? Like yeah, things that yeah. I find funny, but people here don't find funny. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Pure Koreans might not find funny, but I find funny. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's why community is so key and. But, yeah, but we could probably talk about this forever. Yeah, no, um, I want to get into that one day. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. For now, for today, we'll wrap it up. Um, but thank you so much. Seriously, like you've shared so much, and I think it's very valuable stuff. Um, and like, yeah, just food for thought. I think, at the very least. Right. So, no, thank you for having me. This, this was awesome. <laughs> really? <laughs> thank you. You're awesome. Thank no, you. thank you, man. It's a, it's a pleasure, completely mine. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'll see you in the next one. Bye. I need to come up with a better fucking outro. <laughs> that was great. <laughs>